Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. So I always try to have a plan of how to open (laughs) the teaching, and I always try to submit um, to the Lord's leading through every part, but especially as we open. I just want to, something I said in my prayer, um, I want to point to, is Matthew didn't know, I don't think, specifically what I was, he knew the passage, but he didn't know specifically what I was gonna be speaking on. But yet part of what we're looking at is the shepherd knows his sheep by name. So maybe you can understand why my heart was both broken and overjoyed as Matthew started reading names. Whether you're in here, you're joining us online, if you're hearing this, be assured that God knows you by name. He knows you by name. And his desire is that none would perish, that all would come to repentance, that all would come to not just salvation, but this intimate relationship. And he is calling your name today. Will you hear him? God cares for us far beyond what we can comprehend. And it's the Lord's heart and his desire that each one of us would sense his care and would respond to his care this morning in a fresh and deeper way. Uh, You may already know the Lord, you may already walk with him, Regardless of where you're at, Jesus wants to reveal himself more fully to you now. I just want to encourage you to open your hearts. Just say, God, again, present yourself and say, God, do what you want to do in my life. You know, it sounds like a bold prayer because that's a, it's a prayer of surrender. It's just saying, God, you know, whatever. And that can be scary for us. It really can because we don't know whatever, what whatever means. How does that play out specifically? But what we need to embrace this morning in a greater and a greater way is that he cares for us. And when we say whatever, we're opening up the door to to a path of fullness, of richness, of living, of discovering him in, in deeper and greater ways, and of walking the life that he has called each of us to walk. And that is a walk that is individual to each one of us. It's a walk that is part of a community, which is called the family of God. It's a part of us being in the flock of the good shepherd. So I just wanna encourage you, just open up to whatever God would have you uh, to hear today. Let him speak to you. So we're talking about how Jesus cares. I want you to go to a place in your life, a specific place where you felt deeply cared for. Just Just see what God brings to your mind. Just one specific moment. For some, there might be several things that are coming to your mind, that's fine. But there's one specific moment possibly that you can remember where, where a person touched your life and because of that touch, whatever that looked like, you felt deeply cared for. It may have been a family member, it may have been a friend, it may have been a stranger 
that God used that let you know that you were cared for. Uh, for me, the one, one of the things that came to my mind was a, an encounter uh, or an interaction with my father. It's when I was in college and um, had a huge workload on me and uh, I think it was in my latter two years of college, I was commuting from Glen Rock to Harrisburg to Penn State Capitol Campus and uh, heavy workload and I got behind on this one huge project and I remember it being kind of late in the evening and I'm looking at uh, what needs to be done and when it needs to be finished and I'm seeing impossible. <laughs> and it was extremely overwhelming. I was, um, I was a very good student and for me I was looking at potential failure on this project because it seemed impossible. And I don't think I will ever forget my dad coming in and just sitting with me and I expected and deserved to be chastened. <laughs> Like, Mark, why didn't you plan better? Why, why is it, you know, like this goes so long? But what my father did was he sat there and he listened and he cared. And that impacted me. I, I don't remember how I did it. I was able to complete the project. I'm not sure I slept at all that night. Um, but yet that care was transformational. Moved me from a moment of despair and of hopelessness, frustration and failure into a place where I could move forward. And I move forward. And what God wants to speak to us today is that, that whatever moment that may be where when you experience care, you know, as you look back, if we could add all of these care moments together in this room and for those that are watching us online, it does not begin to compare with the care that Jesus has for us. He cares so deeply. And he wants us to know and to experience and to walk in his great care. So we're gonna uh, step into this passage. We're gonna be going through the first half of, of chapter 10. Last week, uh, Ben took us through the uh, chapter nine of John in a powerful, powerful way, just verse by verse. But what he started with is what we're gonna start with today. He began the message at the end of John chapter nine. If you would like to, uh, you can turn um, in your scripture there, or you can look on the screen. And we're gonna read these last few verses of John chapter nine. Now again, Ben began with this and then went up to the beginning of chapter nine to tell the story. Uh, but we'd like to begin with this as well because this is integral to what we're gonna be looking at today. Uh, in John 9, 39, scripture says this, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. So this is what wraps up the story of uh, the man who was born blind being healed. So you can go back and read through the, the chapter. And again, I would encourage you to listen uh, to Ben's message from last week, powerful truths that were brought out. But the story of the healing of the blind man is a person who physically was born blind. Jesus healed him, gave his sight. And then the chapter is a progression of how he went from being blind to physically seeing to coming to see and know who Jesus was and who Jesus is. But Ben started with this passage that, that finishes up this chapter to help us to realize that the story is not just about one blind man, it's about all of us. That we at one time were blind and we can still have blindness in our lives now. But Jesus is coming to speak light and healing 
to our blindness. So what happens is that this takes us into chapter 10. So remember that when scripture was written, uh, John did not write down and write, okay, chapter one starts here, this is verse one. Okay, the chapters and verses came later as a way to reference certain certain parts of scripture. So when we look at this, we need to see that this flow is just happening naturally. That after this story and this conversation with the Pharisees, it flows right into chapter 10. So we want to see this in context, okay, that it's all connected. Because Jesus is now gonna be talking about making huge declarations of who he is, and it is in the context of this healing, it is in the context of the religious leaders saying, you did this on the Sabbath, you're of Satan. I mean, it's in this context that Jesus is bringing the truth that we're about to, to read and to study. So when we turn to the beginning of John chapter 10, uh, again, we're gonna be looking at the first half of the chapter, verses one through 21, but specifically, we're just gonna take each section. So we're gonna start with the first six verses. Jesus is now speaking again in the same context to these religious leaders. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out, all, all his, when he's brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So as we begin this chapter, we see Jesus using this phrase, truly, truly, and we've talked about this before, is that it's like saying, for sure. This is definitely truth. Now, everything that Jesus said, again, was true. He is truth. But when he's saying, truly, truly, it's like he's saying this huge agreement about something that he is about to say. Like we say amen at the end of a prayer in agreement. He's saying, amen, amen, listen to this. I am the author of truth. I'm coming, I am divinity, You need to listen closely to what I'm saying. So he's saying something of utmost importance and he's explaining something that the crowd already understands. But I wanna give us up, bring us up to speed with with the crowd, okay? Because they lived in the culture where everything that Jesus was saying, they could picture, they could see. They, They had been there, they had experienced the things that he was talking about because Jesus was talking about something common in their community. Now, hadn't thought about this, this to this moment, but how many of us have seen a sheepfold in Shrewsbury? <laughs> there was a time that some may remember that we had some goats, goats on the hill. That's the closest that I can remember right now. Um, did not play out so well. But the, <laughs> but the sheepfold was common in that community. And what Jesus is explaining here is a communal sheepfold. So, so it would be an enclosed area that had a door and it had a gatekeeper. And typically in a communal sheepfold, there would be flocks that would come in of different shepherds. Okay, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily one flock, but there were sheep of different flocks that, that would come in, okay? The, sheep, the sheepfold, again, had walls, so it had protection. But Jesus says that there are thieves and robbers that come in, and they, they're stealing from here, okay? So they're not using the door. They're coming in other ways. And the thief is one who steals the property. The robber steals and hurts, okay, brings bodily injury. So there's a distinction there as far as why it says thieves and robbers. But there was one way in, and that one way that that was the right entry is through the gate, and there was a gatekeeper. 
So when the shepherd comes to the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper knows that's one of the shepherds who has sheep in here. So the gatekeeper opens the door and then it says again, listen to what happens is that the sheep hear the voice of their shepherd. They hear the voice of their shepherd and they come out. And this was true. The people had seen this. They knew that sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. So as Jesus explains it, he says, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. And then when he leads them out, they, it, 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 there's this, this him going with, okay? Him leading that, that they, they are together, the sheep and the shepherd. There's this coming in and there's this going out. There's security and there's fullness. But Jesus says that a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So verse six says that again, that um, this figure of speech Jesus used with them, in other translations, it says this parable. Jesus spoke to them, but they did not understand what he was saying. So it's very often that we can hear the words of Jesus. We may understand some of the concepts. They understood the whole sheep thing, but it's like, okay, well, how does it apply to me? And one of the beautiful things here is that Jesus doesn't get frustrated with their lack of understanding. He meets them where they are. And if you're taking notes, there aren't three points today, there's one point today. It's two words. If you're not taking notes, I hope you can remember this. (laughs) Jesus cares. Would you say it with me? Jesus cares. And that's what Jesus does. That's who Jesus is. He cares. When the religious leaders do not understand what he said, he cares and he continues. He moves forward and he explains. So I want to encourage you with this. I really appreciate, I appreciate all of Ben's teaching last week, but, but the one thing that he said is that when we don't understand things, when things seem to come in conflict with what's happening and and who God is, we need to understand that, that God is leading us to, to the greater of who he is. That God's leading us to a deeper understanding. He's desiring for us to, uh, to come to understanding by understanding him more, by growing closer to him and embracing the truth of who he is. And again, whether you've, uh, you know, whether you've maybe just stepped into a relationship with God or you've been serving God your entire life, there is so much more of Jesus to know. And this Jesus cares is something that we all need to know and embrace more deeply. So Jesus moves forward in his conversation and he says that statement again, truly, 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 listen. Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the door. This is the third I am statement that we have recorded in the Gospel of John. There'll be four more and we're coming to the fourth even today. But Jesus' declaration of I am the door follows his previous declarations that we've read about. In John chapter six, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. In John chapter eight, 
He said, I am the light of the world. And now Jesus is saying, I am the door. Now, when we look at the sheepfold, again, I described one sheepfold that the people understood. It was a communal sheepfold. What Jesus is talking about here is a different sheepfold. And it would, be a di- it would be the kind of sheepfold that would be in the countryside. Because when the sheep are let out, they would go out to places to graze and to, uh, and to eat and to, to drink. And, and there would be places on the hillside that were enclosures. Sometimes, uh, often, they were usually built in some way, had some form of building, but sometimes used the natural uh, landscape and things to create an enclosure. But whether it was man-made or it was, it was utilizing the, what God had created naturally, there was one entrance and, and it was an opening. And that's how the sheep came in and they went out. And Jesus was referring to that kind of a sheepfold when he said, I am the door. Because what would happen is when a shepherd would be out leading his sheep in the hillside at night, they would, they would be led into this sheepfold and the shepherd would become the door. It was a shepherd that would allow them to come in would lead them in, and it was the shepherd then that would literally sleep there at night and be the barrier between anything that could possibly cause harm to the sheep and the sheep. The sheep was there as the human door. So Jesus is making this huge declaration when he says, I am the door. He's saying, if you're gonna get to them, you've gotta go through me. So when Jesus made this declaration about being the door, he also again referred to thieves and robbers. And he said again that, that those who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. He's referring to those who had come declaring that they were Messiah and to, for many there were insurrectionists, people that were rising up with violence and with war, claiming to be the Messiah, the one that would lead Israel to victory. And they were seeing it as a victory against Rome. There are many that had claimed to be the Messiah. And Jesus is referring to them, to the false prophets, as those who had come before. They're thieves and robbers. They're not the true door. I am the door. So he's making this distinction clearly between others and himself. But we need to make sure that we are hearing what Jesus is saying when he is saying, I am the door. Completely different than if he had said, I am a door. Jesus is making this declaration that he is the only way. Later in John, John chapter 14, we're gonna hear him say that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Jesus is making this clear, clear declaration that is through him and him alone that we can have life. He says again, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So Jesus is the one and him alone through whom we can be saved, through whom we can have peace with God, be reconciled to God, be made new. He, he is the only way. And it's not ju- he's not just the door, but then he's the one that leads. So we can go in and go out and, and find pasture through him. And that's gonna lead into his next declaration. But he wraps up this part by making this declaration. He declares what the thief does. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. That is the work of the thief. Now some people interpret this as that that Jesus is speaking to religious leaders who were thieves 
who were not bringing the life of God. They were bringing law in a way that was, that was killing the people. It was, it was stealing them of joy. It was stealing them of the freedom that God desired to give them. But whether it's referring to religious leaders or not, there's one important truth, that the enemy of our souls is behind it, and he is a thief. The enemy of our, our soul, Satan, is a liar. He's a thief. He desires, he desires to steal. He desires to kill. He desires to destroy. So one thing that's been very helpful for me is if I want to look at, the, at something and find out what the source is, who the source is, I look, often look at this verse. If I'm seeing within a situation or an occurrence or something happening, if I'm seeing stealing, if I'm seeing killing, if I'm seeing destruction, I can know that Jesus said, that's the thief. This is the work of the enemy of our souls. And in contrast to that, Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, abundant life, life to the full. In fact, that Greek word means superabundance. That means overflowing, this fullness of life, a completeness that can only come through the door, that can only come through Jesus Christ. You know, and so many times we go through situations in life, very difficult situations that we don't understand. And it's often our response, and it's understandable, but our, our response is we, we hear and we know that God is over all things, and we, we you know, hear this, that God is in control. So when something bad comes, we say, God, how could you do this to me? Isn't that our normal response? Because he's in control, he's over all things. But we need to look back to this and say, okay, is there stealing involved here? Is something being stolen from me? Is there death? Is there destruction? That's not from God, it's the thief. And the thief is actively at work. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and have life abundantly to the full. He's showing us that when we face these things, that he is there. I just purchased a book this week and it's, entitled, it's called this, God Did not, not Do This To Me. It's written by Lisa Stringer, who is Doug Stringer's wife. In 2015, Doug Stringer uh, was given the diagnosis that he had uh, stage four B-cell lymphoma, 80% aggressive. And um, Doug is a man of God, and I'm gonna talk about him a little bit later. But he served God, um, and was used powerfully by God to impact the world, I mean, literally. But he got alone with God when he got this diagnosis. He just went alone with God. And just for a couple hours, it was just like, you know, he just took it to God, and it was just him and God. And one of the primary things he came back with right away is that God did not do this to me. God is not the author of this. Now, does it go through the filter of God's hand? Yes, but that's very different. That God is not the source of this. And what happened was, Doug didn't know it, but Lisa was chronicling their journey uh, through his, the, his battle with cancer. And Doug is healed today. Doug was in this building and spoke for many hours this week. But we need to understand the source. It's so important that we understand the source because we can come against God and we can not see his care because we're blaming him. And I think there's a lot of situations in our lives that we need to look at. And if we're seeing stealing, killing, and destroying, we need to declare, God did not do this to me. But God can use this. God desires to use this in a way that will bring transformation to our lives, to the world, bring glory and honor to him. So then Jesus goes on and makes this fourth I am declaration. 
I am the good shepherd. Verse, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. This fourth I am statement, I am the good shepherd. I'd like us to do something together that um, uh, some of you may remember this and some, some of you may not have seen it. We have some more copies. This is a, a devotional study form. And at the beginning of the series, uh, Pastor Jeff presented this to us and encouraged us to, um, to consider using this and seeing how God may use it in our time in the Word. But the first thing it says is to pray for insight when we look at the Word, pray for insight. And then it has a meditation and different things to do. Picture it, pronounce it, paraphrase it, personalize it, pray it and probe it. Um, and then there's uh, application, and there are nine different ways that we can look at how does God want to apply this verse to my life. So those are out there if you would like to, to pick one up. Um, but I wanna do one, one of those specific things is pronounce it. And it's to take a, a section of scripture and put emphasis on, the different, on different words. So when Jesus made the declaration, I am the good shepherd, I want us to say this phrase together five times. The first time we're gonna emphasize the first word. The second time we're gonna emphasize the second, then the third, the fourth, and the fifth. So we're gonna stay together five times, putting emphasis on a different word each time. Are we ready? Okay. I am the good shepherd. 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 Well done, give yourselves a hand. <laughs> Seriously, I didn't know if that was gonna work, but <laughs> you guys did amazing. You set the bar high for second service. Uh, <laughs> But it wasn't just, a, just an exercise. It's to place emphasis that, that Jesus, again, he's making this declaration, I, okay? He is the good shepherd. I am, that declaration, I am, it's against that I am statement. It's his form, it's a state of being. I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, just like he is the door. There are other good shepherds, but he is the good shepherd, which means by his very nature, he is this person. He is this divinity. I am the good shepherd. That word good actually means good to the core. It means good in its intrinsic value. Like It's not just an action or an adjective. It is the core of who he is. He is the good shepherd. He is the one, if we're going to imitate, we, we imitate the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. He is the one who owns, who leads, who cares for, who is with the sheep at all times. So when Jesus makes this declaration, it is a powerful, powerful declaration. So twice he says it in here. I am the good shepherd, and twice he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Those two things we need to connect and, and we need to see that, that they are inseparable when we look at the good shepherd that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. 
He not only gives his life for the sheep, but verses 14 and 15, we see that he's incredibly close to the sheep. I know my own, my own know me. This is an interconnected relationship. It's not, God always knows us. Before we even know he exists, he knows us. Before we were formed, he knows us. But this is coming into a relationship where the shepherd and the sheep are connected. I know my own, my own know me. My voice, my shepherd, my sheep hear. And even to the extent, and this is crazy, honestly, when, when I read this, I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. This is the depth of intimacy and relationship that the shepherd and the sheep are called to have. Even as the Father and the Son are one and this depth of intimate knowing, that is what Jesus is calling us to. This is what he's revealing. This is what he's speaking. Now it talks about again that um, he is a hired hand not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf and scatters why is it it's because it's a job to him to the shepherd the shepherd has known these sheep since birth they not not only have given them names they really did that where they give gave sheep their own names based on their character on their appearance on their actions The, the sheep were named by shepherds but not only did they know them in that way, I mean, they knew their behaviors. They knew those that were prone to wander in certain ways. They knew the, how they interacted with other sheep. It is this intimacy. So the shepherd knows them so well that, that he's, gonna, he's gonna give his life. The hired hand doesn't know them. He's, he's doing it for a job. And the hired hand is gonna flee. But he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus was very, very clearly pointing out that he was gonna give his life for us, that the shepherd would be the lamb that was slain. The one who leads the sheep would be the one who became as one of us and became that sacrificial lamb that was slain for our forgiveness, for our salvation. So the presence of the shepherd, we need to understand this, that the presence of the shepherd changes everything in the flock. And I'm just gonna touch on this briefly. I wanna point you to a book, I just read, and some of you may be familiar with it, may have read it. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It's written by Philip Keller. Incredible walk through the 23rd Psalm, and we're gonna do a run through the 23rd Psalm. This, this is a walk. Um, but he talks about just as a shepherd, when you, the more that you understand a shepherd and sheep and the relationship and the behavior and the process, the more that we can understand Jesus as the good shepherd. The reality is, is God, when God created, sheep were created before mankind, I think in the order of creation. But God knew all along that he was gonna, that man and sheep were gonna have these similarities. And there are a lot of similarities. I'll just touch on a few, but uh, we're, we're herd people. We tend to move in mob fashion. Um, there's often we make very poor decisions. We often get into situations that we cannot help ourselves out of. These are things that are, that are common to sheep and they're common to you and to me. And Jesus, again, he's, he uses this picture and, and shepherd was used throughout the Old Testament when they're talked about shepherd, when somebody said a person was a shepherd, they, they knew it was a ruler, uh, a king or a prophet. I mean, they understood this relationship, shepherd and sheep. But boy, the more we understand how similar we are to sheep, the more we can understand how much Jesus cares and how good of a shepherd he is. You know, as we allow Jesus to care for us, we are able to then care for the world. 
when I understand how lost I am apart from him, I can reach out to those that are lost and I can care in a completely different way. We live in a time and in a country that desperately needs to know the care of a loving God. And I'm concerned that we as sheep have gone astray, even we who are in this flock. Because we can belong to Christ, we can be saved, but yet are we walking under his constant oversight? Are we constantly realizing that we are not our own, that we belong to the shepherd? And in this culture, it's so easy for us to hear other voices. It's so easy for us to be drawn away. It's so easy for us to fall into traps of our own making. And sometimes things that we are not responsible for, but we can fall into these things. And we need to know and know and know beyond knowing that our shepherd is there for us and he cares for us because as we receive his care, we can give care. Our nation is under attack. The thief is actively working. And a deep concern that I have is that as, as sheep of our Lord the Shepherd, that we fight with weapons that are of the world and not of us. There's so much in our nation that is calling evil good and good evil. It's truly wrong because God has established what is right and what is wrong. It was for our good and for his glory. The thing that concerns me is that we can fight back and, and one of the things that, that, that just impressed me again, I made reference to, um, to Doug Stringer being here. But one of the things I heard him say multiple times this week is that we're not gonna win anything through an intellectual battle. We're not gonna win. Now, I'm not saying we need to discuss things. We really need to come to the table and have open conversation discussed intellectually. I'm not saying we set our minds aside. But the only way that lives are gonna be changed is when hearts are, are changed. The only way that things are gonna be changed is when our hearts become like the good shepherd, where we're ready to lay down our life for others. So we can come against those that, uh, that we know even are scripturally wrong and, and in pride they may rise up. And I was just reminded so much this week that pride comes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's true for the sinner and the saint. Because when we see things that are wrong, if we approach that thing with pride, we are headed for a fall as well. But listen, pride, pride of man put Jesus on the cross. The humility of Christ made the way for freedom. And when our hearts truly are broken for people, when people know how much we care, then they'll listen to what we know. Somebody Cares is, is a ministry that started by Doug Stringer. As I mentioned to him, we, were, we had this privilege of hosting 
Harvest Network International. They had their national assembly here at Grace. We were able to be a facility that, that hosted and served them. So they were here this week. Incredible gathering. I'm telling you, this space is blessed. <laughs> um, and it's always blessed, but yet in a greater way because we had other members of the body of Christ from around the country and some from around the world in here this week worshiping and praising God. Doug Stringer was a keynote speaker and I met Doug many years ago. And, but anyhow, he started a ministry in Houston, Texas. I think it was in 1981 called Somebody Cares. And what he did, he took cards and simply wrote on those cards, Somebody Cares. And I think it had 24-7 or something like anytime, day or night, and his phone number. And literally would hand them out on the streets. Constantly handing them out on the streets. And his desire is simply to do exactly what that card said, is to let people know that somebody cares. And that led him into some very difficult, sometimes dangerous situations. Because people would reach out day or night, call his number, and here's my situation, do you care? You know, and as a result of that, of what he did in obedience to the Lord, I want to just deposit this, this has just been resonating with me through this week and this, and, and this morning. Obedience is the highest form of worship. <laughs> When we obey the Lord, that's the highest form of worship. And when he was in obedience, he just, he just put this out there. God led him. Then he needed to obey the Lord which he's, with each person that came his way. Out of this was birthed a ministry called Somebody Cares. And it is, um, there's chapters all over the United States and around the world. But it's based on this is that, you know, showing somebody that we truly care. If I'm willing to give my life in service and even lay down my life for a person, it earns the right to be heard. Now, I'm not doing it to be heard. But I need to let a person know that in my heart, I truly care. It's not about my opinion being stronger than theirs or what I believe being stronger than what they believe. It's about letting a person know that I truly care. That whether they're going to agree with me or not, I'm gonna continue to care. Because that's what the heart of the Good Shepherd does. The Good Shepherd, shepherd cares He's constantly reaching out. He's constantly giving himself, whether he's gonna be rejected or accepted, he's constantly caring. He cares for you, he cares for me, and he's calling us to have that same heart. It's about setting ourselves aside and saying, God, I'm yours. How can you show your love and your care through me? I mean, I thought about the shepherd versus the hireling, and you know, uh, many of us have jobs and we're working, and we should be doing a good job wherever we are. But do we realize that wherever we're working, that we are there to show the care of God? That we are there to care for the people that we interact with, that through our good work, that we are to be people that are leading people to Christ. Because whether or not we receive pay, yes, that's important so that we have what we need to live, but ultimately, the greatest thing is that the care of God is flowing through us to people that need him. God shows us his care throughout scripture. And I'm going to do, as I said, a pretty quick walk through Psalm 23. And I would encourage you again to consider uh, looking into this deeper in this book that I mentioned is excellent. But David was a shepherd and he understood shepherd, he understood sheep. And after his journey or toward the end of his journey in life is when many believe he wrote this psalm. And so here's a shepherd who understood sheep 
who clearly through the psalm identifies himself as a sheep. And he begins it by saying, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, it's personal, it's that, it's that interconnection, a shepherd owns the sheep, right? These, the sheep have been purchased by the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I shall not be in lack. In him I have what I need. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That speaks of God's provision. Is that in him we find contentment, we find peace. That even in a place where we, can, uh, we could be, be eating till we're overstuffed, because of him there's contentment and there's peace. There's security, there's safety. We find rest in places of his provision. He leads me beside still waters. Sheep often, on their way to the good waters, will find stagnant and dangerous water. And they will tend to drink from the water that, that can kill. But the shepherd leads to the places of water that are necessary for health and for life. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. When we are down, he is there for us. And sheep literally can become cast, which means they can, fall on their, they can roll on their back. And when they are, they are completely helpless. They cannot roll back over. It can happen to them different ways. Sometimes it's where they find to rest and they just roll over. And it's, yeah, it sounds funny, the feet kicking and everything. But they'll die, literally. What happens in their physical body, it can kill them in fairly short order. But it's a shepherd that comes and restores their soul. He takes them when they're upside down and completely helpless and brings them right side up. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Sheep have a tendency to go in the same place over and over again to their own destruction, where their paths become ruts and the pasture becomes bare. But the shepherd leads them in paths of righteousness. He takes them to the places they need to be. He breaks them out of their rut. They break, he breaks them out of the self-destruction that is so natural for them. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This often speaks of the valleys that you go through in order to arrive at a higher place. And in those valleys, there is danger. The valley of the shadow of death. But Jesus is with us. He said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is the authority and the power of the word of God. That staff is the Holy Spirit that guides that comes alongside, that rescues us. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is often spoken of this table as a plateau, a plain of grazing. And around that plateau, that place where God has called us to, there are enemies that want to devour. But the shepherd goes ahead and provides protection. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. That oil is what prevents us, prevents the sheep from, from the, the pests that can, can literally um, lead them to, uh, to insanity, that the pests can get in and they can, the sheep literally will, will bang their heads against things and all because they need to be protected and that oil is what spares them from self-destruction, from the pestilence and brings them to a place of an overflowing cup where there again there's abundance, there's provision. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The constancy that we have with God is that his goodness and mercy will never leave us. 
that they will follow me all the days of my life. And not only that, are they coming after me, they're being left behind me. That as we walk with the shepherd, we are leaving a trail that others can be led to the shepherd. His goodness and his mercy come after us. And there's, there's so much, if, if we will sow without caring who reaps, so much more will be done. That some of that reaping will come behind us that we never see. His surely, surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The assurance that his presence and his care are eternal. I'm part of his flock forever. Three questions for me to ask myself and for each of us to ask ourselves is who is my shepherd? Have I submitted to the leadership, to the ownership, to the guiding, to the caring of God? Whose voice am I following? Do I hear him? Am I listening to his voice? Am I pushing away the voices that are distractions? Am I listening to his voice? Where am I placing my trust and ownership? Am I trusting him to be the one to care for me? Am I recognizing constantly that he is the one who, that I belong to? He has bought me with the price of his very life. Am I his or as a sheep, am I taking ownership into my own hands? He is calling, he cares. I'm gonna just quickly touch on these next two passages and we're gonna just go to a time of listening for the shepherd's voice. In these next few verses, Jesus says about there are others. That there's the fold that is Israel, God's chosen people, but there are others that he's calling. Those others are the Gentiles. And Jesus is saying that I am bringing them all together as one flock with one shepherd. I am doing this very thing. He is desiring and he has made the way for us to be one flock with one shepherd. That shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says this, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down. I have authority to take it up. This charge I've received from my father is such unity between the father and son. It is all that we would come to him. And finally, in these last three verses, we have the point of decision. Jesus made these declarations, I am the door, I am the good shepherd. And these are the responses. In verse 19, there was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane, why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? When Jesus makes declarations of who he is, we're left with a decision. Is he insane or is he the son of God? Each one of us need to daily make this decision. Will I trust him? Is he trustworthy? Does he truly care? And I trust that God's word has been speaking to you by his spirit and you're hearing him call and saying, would you just trust me? Would you put, put your life in my hands afresh? Would you allow me to show how much I care for you? Because however much care from the Lord you have received, there's so much more. And as I receive his care for my life, I then become one who can care for others. As he lays down his life for me, he has laid down his life, I can lay down my life for others. When people see the heart of someone who cares, they'll listen. So what do you say? What do you do with this call of the shepherd right now, wherever you're at? He's calling you by name. Hear that call and respond. We're going to 
sing a song of encouragement, of trusting in Him, just putting our lives in His hand and surrendering to His care. He is reaching out for you. Wherever you're at, whatever you've done, whatever you're doing right now, He cares for you and He is desiring to call you to Himself. And this song is a response that I trust will draw you to his presence. And as we sing this song, um, I'm gonna give you, if you prefer to stand and sing, that's fine. If you wanna sit, if you wanna kneel, I just want you to have this time with the Lord and let him, the shepherd, hear the shepherd calling your, your name. I wanna give this time for you to, to, to respond. And the aftercare team is actually gonna come up right as the song starts. And, and we'll be here to pray with you for anybody that would, would desire to come up and, and receive prayer. We would love that opportunity. Um, but I wanna encourage you just to right, right now, just lean back into the, the good shepherd who cares so much for you. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.